I'm Stephanie Vallett with Vallett Packing House in Edna, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the farm bill debate continues. We'll check in with a Texas native who runs one of the most powerful agricultural lobbying firms in Washington to get his take on what's happening with the farm bill debate right now. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The latest example of the dry conditions in the Texas High Plains are struggling winter wheat crop. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Being a good neighbor in rural Texas, I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on animal etiquette tips for first-time rural landowners on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Farm bill discussions are ongoing, even as we have the midterm elections just around the corner. One theme we keep hearing is that Congress needs to address the problem with rising input costs and the farm safety net. Texas native Tom Sell is with Combest Sell & Associates in Washington. A lot of focus on the the input costs, maybe in some way indexing or tying uh, the reference prices that are that are embedded in the safety net to standby producers embedding some sort of index tied to inflation that could that could inflate those those reference prices. Some of those I- I ideas are in play right now. But protecting crop insurance seems to be everyone's top priority. Federal crop insurance is by far the biggest portion of the safety net, and where price selections came down, it's a really high quality. Uh, uh, you know, tailorable safety net for the farmers. So this year, we're, we're in pretty good shape. Big question is, next year, 2023 or 24, if prices go back into decline, where where the input costs tend to be very sticky. They don't come down at the same time that your, that your commodity prices do. That's where we could really get in trouble. We need to make sure that we have the safety net in place to address it. Tom Sell with Combest Sell and Associates. The Russian invasion of Ukraine continues to drag on, and it's keeping the grain markets nervous. Randy Block of Cattle Facts says it will continue to affect corn prices for cattle producers. 
You know, if you look out here and you think about what has happened since the Russians invaded Ukraine, you know, obviously we've seen grain prices, corn, if we just focus on corn. The big thing is uh, the basis levels. I mean, we're at unprecedented basis levels in really all regions of the country. We don't have, with the drought situation that we've spoke about, we don't have much grain in the, in the western Corn Belt regions. And you look at Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, Texas, we didn't get much dry land crop. You know, that all ended up being chopped. We're just, we're out of position. Where we need the grain, we don't have it. Block says other issues like freight are causing big headaches. Freight is a massive issue, whether we're looking at rail freight or truck freight. And and obviously, we've all heard about the barge issues we have in moving grain from, from north to south. So, we're kind of getting it from all fronts. I know this is not our first first time, but I mean we it's kind of, we all feel like that's been kind of the case here for a while. It keeps coming at us. However, Block says he is confident that higher cattle prices are ahead over the next few years. The Texas winter wheat crop is not off to a good start this year. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Here in the Texas High Plains, our lack of moisture this year has been so extreme, we celebrate getting just about any kind of rain. And we have had a few showers here and there lately, but a look at the drought monitor map shows that our entire region remains in some level of drought. And when I talked with Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid, his assessment of the winter wheat conditions in our area offered another reminder that we remain way behind on moisture and occasional small rains aren't making much of a difference. You know, on a half-inch rain, the deep moisture's not there, and it's not going to hang on very long. So dry land wheat prospects right now in the Texas High Plains look pretty bleak to me unless it starts raining. Irrigated wheat, there's some really nice stands of irrigated wheat. People are going to get it ready to go for grazing and things like that. So, But we are dry. You know, we just don't have any good subsoil moisture. So we need this La Nina thing to give it up and get back to the normal rainfall pattern sure would help. Yes, we're all hoping La Nina will let up soon, but as for our area's current winter wheat crop, how much longer can we wait and hope to see things turn around? I've seen wheat dusted in and, you know, come up in February, you know, so as long as there, you can get the, well, there's a process for wheat called vernalization where it has to be, you know, cold so long to, to make it head out correctly, but uh, I've seen wheat come up in February and and make a crop, but it won't be the best crop because the wheat won't have time to till her out. But, I mean, it can make something. But generally, if we can get the wheat up by 1st of December and get moisture in the spring, I've seen the chance for near-normal yields on wheat. But uh, I would say after December 1, it, it starts going downhill, your yield potential. Once again, that was Russell French with Pioneer Hybrid. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We have a lot of first-time landowners in rural Texas. Tom Nicoletti talks about what it takes to be a good neighbor if you're living out in the country for the first time. Well, today we're going to talk about animal etiquette tips for first-time rural landowners across the state. And with us is Tyler Jacobs. He is broker partner with Hall & Hall LLP from College Station. Tyler, uh, this is a different topic that we're going to cover, but yet, nevertheless, it's important. What are some of those bullet points you'd like to talk about when it comes to pets in the country? 
Absolutely, Tom. After 25 years in the business, you, you see some patterns. And I would say the, the number one etiquette breaker is for first time landowners is their pets. And it doesn't matter if it's Astro or Tinkerbell, if they were raised in a suburban setting, you dream of letting them run wild and free in the in, on your new Texas land. I can assure you that's exactly what they will do. They will run wild and free. Dogs, cats, 10 acres, 1,000 acres, it doesn't matter how big of a place you buy, they will run until something stops them. And a lot of times that's your neighbor's deer or your neighbor's chickens or your neighbor's garden. And we all want to be good neighbors and definitely want to give an opportunity for those animals, those pets to learn their boundaries. And that takes a little bit of 24-hour supervision before you just turn them loose and let them run. Another consideration is fences around that property uh, that uh, these first-time rural landowners are occupying. Absolutely. With larger livestock like horses and cattle, there's a lot of assumptions about what the fence rules are. No matter what happens on my side of the fence, it's my responsibility. And I'll give you a perfect example of a bull that ended up in his neighbor's pasture. And there got to be a little bit of a discussion of whose fault it was. You know, whose bull was fighting whose? Doesn't matter whose bull was fighting whose. The bottom line was my bull ended up on his pasture, which means that it was my fault and I need to fix the fence. So you always want to be responsible for your animals and build and maintain a fence that contains your animals in a safe manner. And then, Tyler, there's the consideration of gates. We always call it the golden rule of gates. In Texas, we pride ourselves on being neighborly and friendly, and we want to be we're always welcoming to our new neighbors. And the golden rule of gates is when you're on somebody else's place, you always leave a gate just as you found it. If it was open when you found it, you leave it open. When it was closed when you find it, you leave it closed. Let's say your new neighbor invites you to come over and, and chop a little firewood. He said, well, I've got a new uh, oak tree that blew over and it's perfect for firewood. Once you come over and chop, chop some of it, you can have it for your campfire. So you pull up to his gate. And you open it, you think, you know, I'm just going to be right back because I forgot my chainsaw. Turn around to go back, but you left the gate open. Oh, the next thing you know, you've let his three broodmares out of the gate, and they're running down the county road. So you always want to leave gates as you found them. That is Tyler Jacobs, broker partner with Hall & Hall LLP in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Active duty military personnel and veterans have an additional opportunity to hunt ducks in Texas this year. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And lunging could damage a horse's joints. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Lunging is an exercise practice that could damage a horse's joints. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Lunging is the process of exercising a horse in a circle on a long lead while the trainer stands in the middle of the circle as the horse moves around the trainer. Dr. Brian Nielsen indicates in the horse publication that there is some anecdotal evidence that supports a relationship between circular exercise and joint disease. Anecdotal evidence is evidence that is not proven by scientific studies, so anecdotal evidence is not worth a lot. However, Michigan State is starting a project to determine how much damage may occur depending on the size of the circle and the speed at which the animal is exercising. The concern with the circular exercise is that in a turn, the load-bearing surface of the joint is greatly reduced, so the load is increased on the load-bearing part of the joint. Another way of saying this is the force that normally gets distributed equally over the entire joint surface in straight-line exercise is concentrated on a much smaller area when exercising in a circle. This is unlikely to be a problem if done infrequently or at slow speeds. But lunging horses at speed as part of a training program day after day could cause joint damage. Dr. Nielsen indicates it would be the same for us if we were to run in a small circle as likely we would develop knee and ankle pain after a period of time. Horses are also much heavier than humans and yet their leg joints are not that much larger compared to their weight. Joint injuries and arthritis are extremely common in horses, and we don't want to do anything during training to injure their joints, which might include lunging. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Active duty military and veterans will have an additional opportunity to hunt ducks in Texas this year. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Thanks to the passage of federal and state legislation, active duty military personnel and veterans in Texas will now have additional opportunity to hunt waterfowl this year. Kevin Cry, the waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. This is the first year that we have been allowed to have a special veterans hunt, and we're combining that with the youth season this year. So if you're a veteran, active duty, military, you can hunt that weekend prior to the opener of the duck season in whichever zone you live. The first special active duty military and military veteran game bird season for waterfowl is this weekend in the High Plains Mallard Management Unit. That area is everything west of a line from Vernon to Albany to Abilene to San Angelo to Del Rio. Next weekend is the season for those in the south zone. That is everywhere south from a line on U.S. Highway 90 and IH-10 from Del Rio to San Antonio to Houston to Orange. The season in the north zone is November 5th and 6th. Sean Oldenberger, TPWD Small Game Program Director, said those who plan on taking advantage of the additional days to hunt should have a form of identification with them that indicates their military or veteran status. It would be your driver's license where you have veteran written on top, and then basically any federal paperwork that you have that proves that you're a veteran. So as long as you have that on your persons, you're actually being legal to hunt during that special season, and then also you can bring those to the court to get those charges dismissed, too, if 
you would get filed and didn't have those on you. Duck hunters are required to have a valid hunting license, the Texas Migratory Game Bird Stamp Endorsement, a valid federal duck stamp, and HIP certification. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. It was a great week for the cattle market, but not so good for the cotton market. We'll take a look back at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market has had a great week over the past week with prices sharply higher in both the futures and the cash trade. We'll start with the cattle futures complex. Live cattle ending higher on Friday. October live cattle up 70 cents at 150.47. The December up 75 152.42, February live cattle up 67 at 155.52. Feeder cattle ending the week mostly higher. The only lower contract we see is the nearby October. Of course, it's lightly traded and getting ready to go off the board. October was down 30 cents, 175.27. Everything else higher with November feeders up 80 cents, 178.35. January feeder cattle up $1.12. At 180.37. Cash fed cattle market on fire this week here in Texas. We sold fed cattle at 148. That is three bucks higher than last week, and that's the highest price we've seen in seven years. Northern dress sales mostly at 236. That's four bucks higher than last week. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up 11 cents, 253.73. Select up 351 at 225.59. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Carl Herman and family own and operate Caldwell Livestock Commission Company. They sell every Wednesday. Carl, how was that sale this week? You know, we had a good sale again yesterday. Uh, uh, had over 900 head, 401 consigners, and 41 buyers on a steady cow market and a steady but very active uh, calf market. Uh, uh, on the cows, we had 225 cows and bulls, slaughter cows 30 to 79, slaughter bulls 65 to 83, stalker cows 575 to 1200, and the pairs 800 to 1275. On the uh, calves, on the steers, two to three weight steers brought 150 to 187, three to four weights, 155 to 192, four to five weight steers, 150 to 177, five to six weights, 145 to 172, six to seven weights, 135 to 151, and the seven to eight weight steers, 127 to 143. Heifer-wise, two to three weights, 120 to 150, three to four weight heifers, 135 to 177, four to five weights, 
138 to 177. Five to six weight heifers, 141 to 171. Six to seven weights, 129 to 148. And uh, seven to eight weight heifers, 115 to 137. Uh, overall, had a good day, had a lot of good cattle, and uh, we look forward to next week. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for the next Wednesday sale, Carl. Okay, uh, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. For the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. Carl, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. You bet, Larry. Thank Bye-bye. you. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. We're sharply higher on Friday. December hogs up 210 at 89.12. February hogs up $1.42 at 90.52. Class 3 milk was mixed. The nearby October up a penny, 21.84 a hundredweight, while November milk was down 17 at 21.12 a hundred. Cotton market finishing mostly higher after a very tough week. We saw a lot of Sharply lower closes in the cotton market over the past week. On Friday, it looked like the market was a bit oversold, so it bounced back a little with December cotton up 173 points, 79.13. March cotton up 129 points, 78.55. Not much happening in the grain trade on Friday. We were mixed in the corn market with very little movement on the close. December corn up a quarter penny. At 684 and a quarter, March corn up a half, 690 and three quarters. Looks like the hard wheat market finished slightly lower, while soft wheat was slightly higher. December Kansas City wheat down one and a half, 948 and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up one and a half at 850 and three quarters. In the energy markets, natural gas has dropped a lot over the last couple of weeks. November finishing 36 cents lower on Friday to close at 4.99. December crude oil up 50 cents, 85.01 a barrel. The financial market strongly higher Friday afternoon, the Dow up 721 points, 31,054. The S&P up 87 at 3,753. The Nasdaq up 249, 10,864. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.